you still utilize an LLC to get the limited liability protection. But then that LLC, those units would be owned in the name of the trust. So that way you're able to accomplish your liability protection through the LLC and your estate planning through the revocable living trust. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hello, and welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. This is your host, Heather Marchant. Ron is not going to be joining us today. So, as we said last week, we really needed to get on the ball and get ahead of recording some podcasts and good content for you guys. And we thought we'd just move forward, <laughs> even though Ron's unable to join me today. So I'm joined by an awesome guest today. So that really helps when you're doing this alone without your co-host. So I'm joined by JJ Childers. He is a licensed attorney who has been practicing law for the past 25 years in the specific area of asset protection, estate planning, and business law. So a lot of questions that I know our clients have and you may have. He helps entrepreneurs, small business owners, and investors design protection plans for safeguarding their assets without all the confusion, complication, and cost often associated with the process. So welcome to the show, JJ. Super happy to have you. Hey, well, thanks, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, we have. So I get these questions a lot and I'm often stuck in that real estate agent issue of saying, well, I'm not an attorney, <laughs> you know, I'm not an accountant. I'm not an attorney. I say that frequently during my day. So I think having you on here is a real gift for our clients and being able to have some of their basic questions answered. And also, I think it'll be super helpful for clients who are at the point in their portfolio that they're ready to do some work with asset protection to get some guidance from you. So super happy to have you join us. You also joined us for our masterclass a couple weeks ago, and I had raving reviews from people. And I know a lot of our clients have already reached out to you, myself included. So <laughs> I got to get my act together in regards to protecting myself. So a couple of things that I want to start with a lot of the questions that I get asked frequently, it hit some basic questions. So can you talk a little bit about setting up structures and why it's important? I would think specifically an LLC, why investors typically are putting property into an LLC? Okay. Well, you know, Heather, first of all, the way that I kind of, I start every presentation, whether it's for a crowd of people that are just getting started or even thinking about getting started, or even if it's seasoned investors that have been doing this for a long time that have actually implemented a lot of the different strategies that we talk about, it all begins the same way. And part of that is because I look at it and I say, you know, Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest football coaches of all time, he used to start every season with the basic information. He would hold up and he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. And he would begin from there. And I mean, the guy's legendary coach, Super Bowl trophy is called the Lombardi trophy for a reason. And I like that because he just said, hey, we always have to start with the basics because a lot of times people forget about that. And yeah. to me, the basic thing to start with is something I learned when I was first getting started in this. And it's this right here. The government and other sources are attempting to place a lid on wealth. Now, that lid is an acronym for the three legal pitfalls that we're all going to face of lawsuits, income taxes and death taxes. With those lawsuits, first of all, we're talking about protecting yourself from liability. So any sort of liability that you may have with regard to your real estate holdings, 
you've got to keep all of that separate. And if you're able to keep it separate, then in the event that somebody sues you on one of those properties, at least all that they can get is that property. Now, the reality is what was really exposed is your equity in that property. So, and I'm just going to give like a quick, for instance, right here. Yeah. No, it's a problem. Yeah, because here's the thing that, that people don't understand. They think, okay, if I've got a property and I'm just going to use even numbers to make it easy for illustrative purposes, say you got a $100,000 property. Well, if you put 10%, 20% down, now you took out a mortgage on it, you owe eighty dollars or $90,000. You don't stand to lose $100,000. What you stand to lose is the amount of your investment in that property. Now, early on, if all you have is 10% down, or ideally we have even less than that, if we're able to maybe put some deals together with no money down, that's ideal. But that's what we're looking to protect initially, at least, because it's not that somebody's going to take the full 100,000 because you don't have a full 100,000. First of all, if you took out that mortgage, whoever loaned you the money, whether it's a bank or some other source of funds, a different type of lender they've got a perfected security interest on that. So really, it's not your property yet. It's really the bank's property. And we're, yeah. we all are familiar with that concept. So that's what I kind of look at, first of all, with lawsuits, is how much are we protecting? So even if, and here's the thing I want to make sure I point out from the very beginning, I just minimized your exposure by saying, hey, it's only $10,000. Yeah. Well, but here's the challenge. If they sue you for far more than that, and you don't have that property in a legal entity that gives you limited liability protection, such as the LLC that you mentioned, now you are the owner. Well, as the owner, they could go after your personal assets. So I mentioned that for a couple of reasons. Number one is to show why you would have a limited liability company, and that is to limit your liability to what's in that company. So even in that scenario where I said you put 10% down on a $100,000 property, all you have to preserve right there is $10,000. Yeah. Well, you still want to have an LLC, even if it's just $10,000. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is that they think, okay, well, all I have is $10,000. Maybe I don't need an LLC yet. And I'd say, actually, you definitely need an LLC because that $10,000 is all that's available for that person that wants to sue you to go after right in that scenario. If you don't have that LLC, now they could go after your personal assets. So now your liability is far greater, but sometimes people make the mistake of thinking, yeah, but I'm just getting started. I don't really need an LLC yet. And I say, quite contrary to what you're thinking right there, you actually do even more so when you're first getting started. So hopefully that kind of addressed that. Yeah. And then the income taxes, because you can save a lot of money on your taxes, but then also death taxes. I say, we've got to have a plan in place to protect because we're all going to die and we're all going to be faced with taxes. You know, as they say, the two certainties in life are death and taxes. So we've got to make sure that we cover those too. And having a a properly structured plan can help you to do that. Yeah, that's so interesting because I have a lot of clients that the LLC is kind of cumbersome, right? Like it just takes time and energy and making sure that you follow all the rules. Because my understanding is when you set up the LLC, you have the income from that property going into a bank account under the name of that LLC as well. And so making sure that you have the proper documentation alongside the LLC is important. Something about piercing the corporate veil or something like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. First of all, I'm going to break it down into a couple of different points. First of all, what I tell people all the time is it's not difficult, but it is different. 
And sometimes when something is different from the way that you're accustomed to doing things, at least initially, it can seem difficult. Quite honestly, yeah. investing in real estate can seem horribly difficult. And it is if you don't have the knowledge, which is one of the great yeah. things that you and Ron do is that you're educating people, providing that training, because the difference, first of all, that lowers your risk. The more yeah. knowledge you have, the lower the overall risk. And that sounds crazy because you say, how does that impact risk? Well, the risk of you making a stupid move goes down if you have more knowledge on that. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part that I was saying as far as recognizing, hey, at first it's going to seem difficult just because it's different. But as you get the hang of it, it's really not all that difficult. Now, with regard to piercing the corporate veil, that's a concept that basically I would say it's a legal concept and it is. But one of the things that I like to do in working with clients is to try to simplify matters. And the way that I do that is by maybe drawing analogies to things that we've learned during our lifetimes that people say, oh, well, I know that. One of the things we talked about earlier with limited liability is I say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, yeah. that's something we've all heard all these years because the thing is, like, if you have an LLC and, well, first of all, if you don't have an LLC and you just own property, essentially all your eggs are in one basket. They're not in a basket. So all of those eggs could be taken. By implementing an LLC or maybe multiple LLCs, that's where we're able to get some limited liability protection. So the point that I want to make on piercing the corporate veil is when I was growing up, and Heather, I don't know if you ever heard this, but I heard it quite often. I don't know if that tells anything about my <laughs> track record, if you will. But my parents used to tell me all the time, they'd say, young man, if you want to be treated like an adult, you're going to have to act like an adult. Yeah. Wait, you've heard that too? Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, we, we've all heard that. And we're yeah. like, I get it. And you know, the thing is, once you have kids, you're going, now all these things that I was taught all these years are told or, you know, mm -hmm. those lessons that I had to learn. I'm saying the same thing to my kids. I'm like, listen, I know you, you think you want to be treated like an adult, but you're not acting like one. It's the same thing. That's what basically the law says is if you want to be treated like a separate legal entity that receives limited liability protection, you have to act like a separate legal entity that would receive limited liability protection. You're not going to get it if you just run your business like a mom and pop grocery store where money comes in the cash register, you open it, you pull it out, and you got to keep records. So you've got it. There are different records you've got to keep. And it doesn't have to be horribly cumbersome. I mean, in the time that I've been doing this, I've seen unbelievable advancements. When you talk about like computers, the internet, just software programs, there are ways that can make this so much simpler nowadays than it used to be back when I was first getting started. Yeah. So I know I'm going to get asked this question. So I have several clients that say to me, oh, I have the LLC set up, Heather. I just haven't moved the property into the LLC. It's, I got to get that done. I need to get that done. So if you have all the structures and you're not using it properly and you've exposed yourself to some risk, what can you do? Can you reverse that by moving it into the LLC? Does that erase the past when you maybe didn't do a great job? Well, I'm going to give you my answer to every legal question, which is it depends. Mm. Yeah, It all depends on what's taking place at that time. So let's say that you didn't do things the right way. You thought, hey, I don't need an LLC. Now it turns out that you're going, oh, wait a second. I just got sued. An LLC would have been nice. Let me go ahead and set one up and put the property in there. Well, it's too late. Now you're dealing with situations called a fraudulent transfer and conveyance. If you tried to take it out of your personal name, put it into an LLC after you've already been sued, it's too Got late. It. Yeah. Now that let's makes say sense. that 
Yeah. So let's say that you did set up the LLC, you made the right move, but then you never transferred your property into that LLC. Mm-hmm. Is it too late? Well, once again, if you're doing it because you've been sued, yeah, now it's too late to try to do it. Even if you set up the LLC several years ago, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter because it's when you're actually transferring the property. So that could be a fraudulent transfer and conveyance and be set aside so that you don't that get that sense. protection. However, if you have no reason to believe that there are any prospective creditors after you or judgment creditors potentially from a lawsuit, you can go ahead and get that transferred in there. That's part of the process of funding your entity. And and people hear funding and they think about borrowing money. That's not what I'm talking about here when I say funding. The process of funding your trust or funding your legal entity just means that's where you're transferring the assets out of your personal name into the name of the legal entity. And then you can get that protection. So if you have an LLC and your properties, maybe you have several LLCs, when the funds are going into that LLC, at what point and how can you use those funds to be able to purchase more properties or grow your portfolio without exposing yourself? Like, can you move that money to your personal and purchase property using it? Do you need to purchase in the name of the LLC? What's yeah, the ideally you're going to, if we go back to that, in order to be treated like an entity, you have to act like an entity. Well, how would an actual entity conduct business? Mm. Well, the actual entity would do everything in its name. Now, at the same time, what I tell people is, because people will say, do I have to have a separate credit card for my expenses for my LLC? Well, ideally, but at the same time, let's go back to, as I mentioned earlier, things that people have experience doing. For instance, let's say you work for a company and you go on a business trip for your company and they haven't given you a credit card. So you have to put all the expenses on your personal account. Mm-hmm. Well, so if it's on your personal credit card, how would we take care of that? We're not just going to tell the company and say, hey, by the way, I spent $500. So could you cut me a check? The company is going to say, no, I'm going to need to see some sort of documentation to substantiate those expenses. And I will pay based on you submitting Mm -hmm. maybe an expense report that's supported and substantiated with receipts or with that the invoices or whatever you may have to document that. So you've got to do it the same way. Think about That's where people get in trouble, I think, is that they don't look at it the same way as they would if they were working for a big corporation. That big corporation is not going to reimburse you unless you submit the right documentation, the right paperwork. But then they think because they own business, they're like, ah, I'll just go ahead. I'll cut myself a check for 500 bucks and then Mm -hmm. I'll deal with it later. Well, the challenge is they never get around to later. Yeah. Then they're finding themselves like, oh my gosh, I don't know where the paperwork is. Who knows where that receipt is? Maybe I'll try to find my credit card statement, but you need to have more details than that. No, that's great. What about with purchasing, using a conventional loan, you can't purchase in the name of an LLC. So for myself, for example, I just did a 1031 exchange and I purchased in the name of the same person who was my husband who did the original mortgage on the new mortgage. And then we're going to transfer the property back into the LLC How is that? Is there any risk or exposure there in doing it that way? No, that's actually what people do quite often. Because basically, when you're dealing with banks, you got to follow the golden rule, which is he who has the gold makes the rules. And when we're trying to borrow some of that gold to purchase our properties, we've got to deal with their way of doing things. Even, you know, I work with clients on their estate plans quite regularly. And one of the things that happens is we'll set up maybe a revocable living trust to make sure that they're with the probate process whenever they die. And as part of that, we'll transfer their personal residence into the name of the revocable living trust. 
Well, if they want to refinance the property, sometimes the lender will say, hey, we've got to take it out of the trust, refinance it, and then you can put it back into the trust. Sometimes it's the same thing with regard to limited liability companies, limited partnerships, S corporations, depending upon what entity you might be using, you got to follow that same process. Okay. No, that's great. So that brings me to another point that I had another bullet point to talk about is trust versus LLCs. What is the difference? And probably throw in there maybe land trust in addition. Yeah. And that's actually, when you're looking at trust, first of all, there are all different types of trust. Now, the trust I referenced earlier, that revocable living trust is basically referred to as a probate avoidance trust. So that's more for your estate plan. doesn't give you an asset protection, but it gives you the estate planning through the probate avoidance. Well, you still utilize an LLC to get the limited liability protection. But then that LLC, those units would be owned in the name of the trust so that that way you're able to accomplish your liability protection through the LLC and your estate planning through the revocable living trust. Now, if we throw in that added layer, perhaps of a land trust, or what I refer to it as oftentimes as a real estate privacy trust. And the reason I refer to it as a real estate privacy trust is because that's exactly what it's accomplishing for us. It's giving us some privacy. It gives us some flexibility. That land trust or real estate privacy trust in and of itself does not give us any liability protection. The way we get the liability protection is by having that limited liability company, the LLC, that is the beneficiary of that land trust or real estate privacy trust. Now, I know I just said a lot of believe there and a lot of, but hopefully (laughs) people are tracking with me on that. Yeah. Is there a trust that has liability protection? Well, there are maybe like asset protection trusts or revocable trusts. The challenge is the way that you're able to get that sort of liability protection is by giving up the control. And we don't want to do that because it's not what you own, it's what you control. We want to control as much as possible. But at the same time, that's why we have to utilize certain types of legal entities. Because if we start utilizing irrevocable trust, things like that, now we've got to take ourselves out of the equation and give up some of that control. Interesting. I didn't know you had to give up control for that. I have a lot of clients who purchase in the name of a trust and they do it in this. There's a state of Pennsylvania that has a transfer tax when you deed it into an LLC from your personal name, except... If it's a trust, but you give up your asset protection, it sounds like, unless you do a revocable trust, right? Well, what we're doing is making sure that you can use that trust. And that's the other reason why people will do this a lot of times is the flexibility, because you're able to utilize that. But remember, we have the beneficiary of that trust that would be an LLC. Got it. Okay. Because so, I know Pennsylvania can be a pain, yeah. you know, and they get, so, but there are always strategies and maneuverings that we can execute to make sure that we're able to get around some of these challenges. Yeah, because it's a 2% transfer tax. So what does it typically cost if you're going to set up a trust and have a beneficiary of an LLC? I mean, just kind of an average ballpark of what that would cost, because maybe it's cost effective to do that versus just paying it all in taxes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you know, there are ranges. I've seen some people say, okay, I'm going to go online and just get one of these things set up for what I think the ads say in, in as little as eight minutes for as little as $45. But then they just ding you for constant things and they're going to be filing fees. But I mean, I generally tell people plan for about $1,000 per entity that you get set up. And if you know that, if you end up being able to do it for less, that's great. But as long as you've kind of budgeted $1,000, then you look at it and say, okay, that was money well spent because you're not going to be paying that on an ongoing basis. You pay for it once so that you're able to avoid that and you get the protection and you get some of the tax benefits. You get a lot of tremendous advantages. 
Yeah, very cool. Okay. And then is it better to have like your primary residence? What's the best entity to put a primary residence in? You know, generally we'll put the primary residence in the revocable living trust because you're going to typically most states will have some sort of protection. Now, some states are way better than other states as far as the type of protection that they have. Mm. But then there are other things that we're able to do, such as taking out a potential home equity line of credit against your personal residence. So that then in that instance, now somebody sees that it's encumbered, they're not as eager oh. to go after it. So just there are a lot of little things that we can be doing. And sometimes you may even want to borrow against that HELOC, that home equity line of credit to utilize that for your other real estate properties. Interesting. I never looked at that as an asset protection benefit, but. Yeah, which is crazy because you say debt, debt for most people, it's a four letter word. Yes. A, no, that can be a great asset protection tool. Huh, that's really interesting. So how does a client know besides the LLC structure, right? Because that was pretty clear in the way you explained it, that really, if you own property, you should be looking at having liability protection in the form of an LLC or something else. So that's pretty clear. But how do you know when it's time to really make an appointment with someone like yourself and get a bigger game plan in place? Well, first of all, I'd say as soon as you start getting involved with any assets or any activities that have potential liability, which real estate is most certainly an asset and an activity that can give you that liability. You've got to do it from the very beginning. Again, that analogy that I use, that illustration, even on a $100,000 property. you know, I think on the masterclass, we talked about one time, my dad lives in Mississippi and he was buying a property for, it's going to sound crazy, but $5,000 for a house. Yeah. And he thought, okay, I'll just put that house into one of my other LLCs. I said, dad, no, you need to set up a separate LLC just for that property, which may sound like overkill because I just told you it may cost $1,000 to set up that LLC for a $5,000 property. That sounds pretty steep. The reason I told him that was because let's say you put that $5,000 house into the same legal entity, the same LLC that owns perhaps a million dollar apartment complex. If somebody sues you and they successfully win, on that lawsuit on the $5,000 property, now the liability goes yeah. over to that $1 million apartment complex. So you don't want to do that because you've got to make sure that you, a strategy I teach called isolation and insulation. And it's basically don't put all your eggs in one basket. You've got to isolate assets and isolate activities from one another so that you can insulate them from the mm-hmm. liability associated with the other assets or the other activities. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because for myself, I was putting multiple properties in one LLC because I just didn't have a lot of equity, right? So usually it sounds like you're using equity as your gauge as to when you need to set up multiple LLCs. You know, right? That's exactly right. Because what happens sometimes is that you know people have these rules of thumb that they say, okay, for every $150,000, and I'm just using an example, in real estate, you need a new LLC. Well, sometimes it depends because I've even, I was working with a client last week and I tried to explain to them, that this may sound counterintuitive, but sometimes the lower your overall net worth, the more entities you may need. That sounds crazy. Yeah, because that sounds so backward, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you think, I'm not going to need these entities until I've got this super massive net worth. But the illustration I give is I say, let's say that you're worth $10 million and you decide to buy 10 properties worth $20,000 each. Well, that's $200,000. If you put all $200,000 worth of properties, and let's just say you paid for them free and clear in one LLC and you lost all of those, if you're worth $10 million, you're going to weather the storm okay. 
you're not going to have to cancel cable next month to make ends meet. Yeah. But if you're worth $250,000 total and you just spent 200000 of it on properties and you put all of those in one LLC and you lost all of them, well, that's going to materially impact your overall global position. So that's where I look at it and I say, hey, the person worth $10 million could have put all of their eggs in that one basket because those aren't yeah. all their eggs. Yeah. It's a much greater percentage than the smaller person. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it is so backward the way you normally think. Like you, yeah. my beginner investors think, well, I don't need to deal with that right now because I'm not a big investor. I'm not going crazy buying tons of property. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, maybe um, even more important for them. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I think you've taught me really well is how individualized this is, right? Because talking in generals, you can talk in generals and say, generally speaking, you should do this and this with LLCs and have a trust and whatever. But getting into someone's individual net worth and how they are structured and their overall goals, I'm sure is going to be way more important in your day to day life and what you do. <laughs> oh, most certainly. And that's part of one of the things that I do when I work with clients is we have a program that we call our Wealth Protection Blueprint. And basically, it's kind of an introductory program that people are involved with with us. And it gives them the opportunity to say, hey, I'd like to talk with you. I'd like to find out what you suggest I do. And I say, okay, well, what I would do is I'd put together an entire plan for you. Now, when I say a plan, that doesn't mean that all of the documents are created, but through that Wealth Protection Blueprint program, I say, okay, based on what you've told me, you've supplied me some information about you. Based upon you and your unique individual circumstances, yeah. here's what I think you should do. And as part of that, I give them step-by-step -step instruction. I give them details. I give them guidance. It's a blueprint which says, here's what you do. And it also, I give them sample documents if they wanted to do that themselves. Really? You know, I, yeah. So I try to do it at a very affordable entry-level investment. Yeah. And part of the reason for that is that I've seen a lot of people out there that are going, hey, to work with me, it's $5,000 or it's $10,000 or whatever that number may be. And I'm saying, well, how can you even say that? You don't even know the person. How can you tell them here's how much it's going to cost? So I always start with that initial program and then I say, but here's the deal. I'm not going to try to nickel and dime you and say, I'm going to charge you for this and this and this and this. I say, this is kind of our trial period to see if we want to work together. So mm -hmm. when I put that blueprint together for somebody, I say, okay, here, you're going to pay me this initial investment, but then I'll credit you every dollar you paid me towards working with me if you want me to do the full service. But the reality is they may say, I didn't jive with you, or I may say, you didn't jive with me. So maybe we're not going to work together. And now we part as friends. Yeah. There's value added. I got paid for my work. And now you can take it and do it however you want to, whether it's on your own with somebody else. So it just really works best that way. Yeah. I have a lot of clients that want to do it, but see it. Like you said, I only paid X for the property. My cash flow is Y. It doesn't make any financial sense to spend the money to set up entity structures because it's upside down in how much you paid, right? For the property. So, which we talked about, but that is definitely something that hinders a lot of people from taking action. So I like that you have something that can meet people where they're at, so to speak, and say, okay, well, if you want to set it up, if you want to put in the time, do it yourself or do it on the cheap, <laughs> that there's an option for that. And you have this, the blueprint to help you have some guidance and understand to make sure you're doing it correctly. 
or they can kind of like a full service be able to hire you to help with integrating all of it. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, because here's the thing. If you called most law firms and you just said, hey, what I'd like for you to do is put together a plan for me and then give me all the documents where I could do this myself, they're going to hang up on you. They're just like, no, we don't do that. But that's where I kind of said, I'm trying to fill a a void, if you will, where I said, you know, Mm because a lot of times people say, all right, I had to spend $1,000 initial retainer with the law firm to just even get in the door and just get to talk to them. And now the meter's running and they're running up a tab on an hourly rate. And I just said, you know what? I want to make sure that I'm saying, hey, I'm going to basically provide you with so much on the front end that you're going to say, I'd be crazy not to work with them on the back end. But at the same time, it may be a situation where you say, now I've given you all you need, keep going. Now you saw the benefit that you got there. And then once you start getting to where it makes more sense to take things to the next level, then we can do that at the same time. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a really great option for a lot of people. So how do they get in contact with you, JJ? Well, the best way is to just send me an email. And my email is jj at jjchilders.com. And Childers is C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S. So again, jj at jjchilders.com. And just let me know that you heard me on the podcast today and that, hey, you're curious about finding out more about this wealth protection blueprint. And I'll we'll schedule a time and I can say, okay, here's what we do. Here's how much it costs. Here's what's involved. So if you'd like to do it, yay or nay. If you say, yeah, you want to do it, great. We'll work together. If you say no, we part as friends and best of luck to you. Yeah. And I think your blueprint, when I met with you, it's super affordable. So I wouldn't let the fear of spending too much hold people back and reaching out so that way they can get the protection that they're needing. So I think it's a really valuable thing that can be easily overlooked or like you said, kick the can down the curb. (sighs) and say, I'm going to get to that, right? So it's the piece of your plan. If the beginning of this year, getting it set up properly, it's January, right? Making sure that you have all of your eggs in the right baskets (laughs) and protected. I think that was a great analogy that I will remember. So thank you, JJ, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Heather. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. And you guys, in the meantime, this week, Go out and make something happen, whether it's reaching out to JJ and starting down with that blueprint, or if it's just taking a look at your personal financial statement and understanding where things are at, making sure that if you had intended to move property into an LLC, it's kind of like housekeeping, right? Make sure that you have things structured the way you think they are structured, because my homework is going to be moving that property from my husband's personal name into our LLC that I just closed on in December because I haven't done it yet. (laughs) So go out there and make something happen, everyone. Look forward to seeing you next week. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.